The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the Gospel of our Lord. I feel like I say this every time we sing um, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, but if you can put yourself into the shoes of 16th century and 17th century and 18th century Lutherans um, who, on a daily basis, especially in border towns, would have been facing the onslaught of attack from Turkish armies, destroying their homes, destroying their businesses, um, their, themselves, their wives, their children being killed, um, followed by decades and sometimes hundreds of years at a time facing pestilence and watching your families uh, waste away or facing plague. And so these Christians would sing together and take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, though these all be gone. Uh, our victory has been won. The kingdom ours remaineth. And so we take the helm of this historic Christian faith and we celebrate what is ours, the gifts that we just sang about, uh, this prince that stands on the plain bearing good gifts and spirit, the gift of his word and the gifts of his sacrament, which bestow upon us the grace earned for us in the death 
resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. We begin. Um, Has anyone ever heard of... uh, Sorry, uh, I was talking with Neil Lowe about this, and it stuck in my head. He was talking about how, like, in the 70s and stuff like that, if you went to a bar and there was a Hell's Angel or Hell's Angels, because they they gather in groups, um, they usually try to start a fight with you. And I said, well, how do they start a fight with you? And he said, well, you always know, because they don't talk to you. They try and talk to your girlfriend or your wife. They try to hit on her. They try to flirt with her to get you to attack them, and then you get arrested, and not them. Quite the trick, you see. Well, today in our Old Testament reading, Hell's Angel does exactly this with our first mother, Eve. He starts to talk with and mess with Adam's wife. But the key to understanding what's going on here in Genesis is that, you know, sometimes even in, you know, children's books or I don't know how they've adapted it in movies, usually it's, or, you know, paintings, usually it's a serpent in a tree with an apple or a pomegranate and the woman. But where's Adam? Well, what we learn in the scripture here is that Adam was standing there the whole time. And he just watches. So here comes the serpent, the deceiver, and he starts to mess with Adam's wife. He's making her feel special. He's saying, Oh, well, you know, this is something you really want. I can't believe, man, God would do that to you. He wouldn't let you have knowledge of good and evil. I can't believe he'd do that. I can't believe he'd do that to you. I know what you really want, right? He deceives her. And the chief thing that he does is he gets her to doubt God's word. He says, did God really say, and then he literally repeats what God said. Did he really say that? And then the even more uh, troublesome thing for these days, did God really mean it that way? Is that really, sure, maybe he said that, but did he mean that by what he said? And so, why didn't Adam say, be gone, Satan? Be gone. God let us know firmly, you can eat anything here except the one tree. You are free. You are free here. It is beautiful. I am with thee. Just don't eat that one thing. And in this way, Adam was given the authority from God 
to guard and keep the garden and to guard and keep God's word. Gardener, worker, and priest. Yet Adam failed when he when tempted with this temptation to just give away that responsibility, to give away that authority to someone else so he didn't have to worry about it. And so when Jesus comes looking for both of them to talk like they always would, now they're ashamed that they're naked in front of each other and they're naked in front of God. Now they have secrets to hide. Now they have failures they're embarrassed for and have to or feel like they have to make up for. So they must hide. And this breaks Christ's heart. Can you not hear it in his voice when he says, how do you know you're naked? How do you who told you? can see a tear trickling out of his eye. And what's worse is when he tries, you know, he, he doesn't go to Adam and Eve. He goes to Adam and he says, he tries to hold him accountable. This man that he created in his own image, he's looking at him. What happened, Adam? And all Adam can do is immediately blame his wife for what was his responsibility. He creates Adam to have this responsibility and authority to care for his creation, which he loves. To be the guardian for God's word. Yet Adam is so easy and quick to throw it away. They've separated themselves from God's presence by throwing off their God-given roles and duties, both Adam and Eve and and the serpent. And Jesus lets them know, serpent, from now on, you'll be despised by mankind. Always, always keep notice, he puts enmity between the serpent and the offspring of the woman. So if you or your child or your grandchild liked keeping reptiles as pets, keep a close eye on them. Yet Jesus also says, one day, and this is glorious, the offspring of this woman will crush your head, serpent, though he'll bruise your heel. And this is the first gospel prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah and Savior of the world promised to us. It's why we call him Son of Man. He's the son of, as Matthew's gospel puts it, son of Adam. Yet he's also son of God, son of the father. Which is, you know, usually we skip that part of Matthew in the very beginning with all the genealogies. But you'll catch it if you read it. And so then to the woman, Jesus says, by the way, just this incredible promise of your Savior who will defeat the devil. This is through this blessed gift of Eve. You will bring forth children from yourself. Life will come from you. 
Yet, because of this throwing away of uh, your duties, now it's going to be painful. Not only for you, the woman, but all of salvation history, every step of the way, going to the birth of the Savior Jesus Christ is going to be a long and painful process with much bloodshed, woe, tears, but of course, great joy. Also, you're constantly, and this is something that's easily skipped over, right? Also, also, woman, Jesus says, you're going to constantly clash with your husband's leadership or the lack thereof, and he's going to react harshly to it. He turns to the man and he says, Adam, because you tossed your God-given responsibility to care for creation away, because you tossed away your vocation of caring for God's word so easily and to lead your wife and family, now doing your work is going to be very difficult. It will still be just as rewarding at times, but only through pain and great difficulty by the sweat of your brow. And something I think is quite beautiful here is the Lord never curses Adam's task to keep, guard, and guide his family in God's word. He never does. It always simply remains this blessed duty. And so the serpent, the woman, and the man, they all receive some sort of thorn in their side regarding what they've been created by God to do, except this one task given to Adam. Read, teach, talk with your family about my word. And God has been blessing this each day since. The promise of the joy, the order, and the peace that accompanies the reading and talking of God's word together as a family remains unblemished in the family. So flash forward to the fulfillment of the prophecy. The word of God has become flesh in Jesus Christ, son of Mary. God has made good on the promise of a son to the woman. One day, this second Adam will crush Satan's head. And one day, Satan will bite at his heel. But for now, Jesus is an adult man. He has just been baptized by John. He goes, or well, Mark, Mark's gospel actually says the spirit throws him into the wilderness the Spirit has led him into the wilderness to begin everything that he must do. Everything that the first man, the first Adam, could not do. Everything we, Adam and Eve, cannot do today. Man and woman before God. Everything we can't do, Jesus must do. The first man was asked only to fast from one food, and he couldn't do it. 
The second Adam fasts from everything for 40 days and lives only on God's word. The first Adam cannot resist temptation from the serpent. The second Adam fights the serpent head on, resists him, defeats him by his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and his ascension into heaven. The first Adam can't keep one sentence of God's word straight. The second Adam not only is God's word, but corrects Satan's fudged scripture. The devil, this is dangerous, right? The devil quotes the Bible at you. So he quotes Psalm 91. He says, he will command his angels concerning you, yet he leaves out to guard you in all your ways. Because the Lord will guard you from the evil one who's talking to Jesus in this moment. The devil quotes the next verse. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone and neglects to finish. And you will tread on the serpent. Quite ironic, huh? All of the evils, all sickness, all pain, all of the rebellion, all of the hatred that pollute this creation of our Father stems from the failure of one man, Adam. And yet, Christ promises that inexpressible grace upon grace and forgiveness, those are already ours in the perfect obedience of one man, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary. By death, he defeated death. By perfect obedience, he covered our daily disobedience and credits, gives his righteousness to us as our own. It's our blessed inheritance. Each of us each day wakes up and tries to live the way that God created us to. We try to t- uh, go into our roles that we feel God has created us to fill. Yet, we fail over and over because that perfection that once existed in us is no longer there, it's been marred by the sinful disobedience of our first parents. And we inherit that as well. So, we have two inheritances. We are at one time, at the same time, both fully a sinner, and at the other, and at the same time, fully righteous and a saint. It's hard being a Christian, but know that Jesus does everything Adam could not. He does not let hell's angel mess with his bride, the church. He says and announces firmly, be gone, Satan, and he's gone. He gets lost. One little word can fell him. 
Today's gospel is a reminder of Christ's great victory over the devil on our behalf, yes. But it's also a gentle push at the beginning of Lent for you, Christian. A gentle push to begin your God-given work for the first time. Maybe to begin again. Maybe to begin again again. Your God-given work unique to you and to your role in life that God has given you is a very special thing. You might be a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, a retired person, a worker, a son, a daughter, a grandchild, a citizen, a Christian who forgives, a servant. Sit down and think of what God has created you to do and how you can serve him by fulfilling your vocation role. Maybe you're getting a gentle push to begin reading the scriptures again as a family. Maybe a gentle push to be here more often. Maybe a gentle push to help teach Sunday school in the fall. Maybe it will be your job when you get home from church to stand in your foyer as the head of your household and to yell into your home, Be gone, Satan. Jesus has entrusted me with the care of this home. I watch over it at Jesus' request. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In his holy name, amen.